Good morning. You can have a seat. Christ has risen. He has risen, and that's why uh, we've come. That's what we celebrate. That's what we celebrate every single week. But this week, it's just so good for us to stop and just gaze that Christ has risen from the grave. He has risen. We have, uh, we've been in the book of Jonah, and, and as, I, as I thought and prepared for this Easter, um, almost last year, just ready to go for Easter for next year, I remember um, thinking, you know, there's this amazing story that's been told for a long, long, long time that tells of the resurrection before Jesus had even risen from the grave. And it comes from the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. It's an Old Testament book, a prophet who, uh, who was called by God to actually go to the city called Nineveh, the city where they killed God's people, where they tortured God's people, where they would actually, um, they would actually rip off body parts and do horrible things to God's people. Um, and, and so God wanted to show grace to these kinds of people. And he did that by saying to Jonah, a prophet, one of God's people, saying, go to Nineveh, tell them of my grace. And he does not. Jonah takes off running. He flees to Tarshish. He climbs on a boat to go to Tarshish, which is the farthest place he could go from Nineveh. And he's on the boat, and a giant storm comes on Jonah. A massive storm comes upon him. In their, in their boat. And the, so the sea, these, these sailors are on this boat who are experienced sailors. They are getting tossed to and fro, crying out to their gods to save them, to save their ship. They're throwing everything overboard. They're doing everything they can. And so they call Jonah up from the belly of the, uh, the boat and say, come and pray. Help us. We need to do something. You need to pray whoever. Uh, they had no idea who God was. And Jonah, asleep in the, in the belly of the, uh, the ship, did. And so, um, so they cast lots, say, what's the problem? What's going on? And they find out that Jonah is the one that, that brought the storm upon them. And so uh, the, the sailors are, are just unbelievably overwhelmed. And they say, all right, let's try one more time. Let's try one more time. Jonah's like, no, 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 just throw me overboard. Let me die. This is my fault. I, I caused this, and I would rather die than have to face God. I would rather just die. And the, the sailors weren't so quick, so they start throwing more things over. They start rowing to shore. They do everything they can. Let's just make one last ditch effort before we throw you overboard uh, to be killed to try to save ourselves, and they can't. The storm grew more and more tempestuous. It grew more and more. And so these sailors now are calling out to the Lord, not to the gods, but they are calling out to the Lord, asking that his life may not be shed, may not be spared, that that Jonah's life would, would be taken instead of theirs. And so Jonah says, just throw me overboard. They throw Jonah overboard in the middle of this storm, and Jonah is uh, he's sucked into the, into the sea, and the winds and the waves immediately cease. They just stop. Quiet. 
And it says that the, the sailors, the men, they were, they were fearing the Lord exceedingly, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord. These pagans, these sailors, were in awe of who God was and suddenly shocked into it. And then the Lord, the Lord appointed a great fish. This is the, this is the one part that probably all of you heard all your life, at some point in your life, the, the most absurd part of the story, a giant fish coming along and swallows Jonah up. And it's not, we have to know, it's not like Pinocchio here, you know, where he's just on a little crate and he's just trying to make his way to the end. This, he is wrapped in seaweeds, in, in, in bile, in nasty fish. It's just gross. And he's wrapped in the middle of this for three days and three nights. Now, we get into chapter 2. Chapter 2. Surrounded by rotten fish. He's not happy. He thinks he's in shale. He thinks he's in hell. And he's, he's feeling himself, am I still alive? Because this feels like I might be in hell. I might be dead here. But he realizes, okay, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm, I'm actually alive. I'm alive. And where, where am I? I'm in the belly of a fish. And I'm alive. And he starts to recognize this. Now let's read chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of shale I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around about my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will repay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. God, we want to come before you this morning and ask, Lord, that this story that we are about to dive into in Jonah that points us to the greater story of Jesus' death on the cross three days in the heart of the earth and risen again on the third day. God, that we would be in awe of this, that we would be swallowed up in this truth, that we would apply the resurrection to our lives, that you would send your spirit to draw us into the story and not just see the story. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Now, there's only two references in the Old Testament that, um, that have any reference to resurrection. Being dead three days and rising again. There's one 
and Hosea that's just sort of faint, and then there's here, Jonah. This story points us straight to Jesus. Jonah is a powerful story that that shows us God has always had a plan. And we have to be able to step back and see that God has had a plan for this since the beginning of time. It wasn't like he was like, okay, my people are just so messed up and they keep sinning and they keep disobeying. And, and so I'm, I have to think of something. I have to come up with plan B. This was plan A forever and always has been Jesus coming, dying, resurrecting again three days later. And right here in Jonah, we see that God knew what he was doing. He had a perfect plan to rescue us. In Jesus' last day, Luke tells us that he walked around with the disciples Now you imagine Jesus knows he's about to be crucified and he brings his two disciples, John and Peter, with him and they're walking around. And it says in Luke that that Jesus spent time explaining the scriptures that testified about who? Him. So you imagine he's walking around with the book of Jonah and he's like, three days and three nights, that's going to be me. And he does this later. He grabs all the disciples. So you imagine the disciples are like, no, 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 you guys got to check this out. Jesus is, is all over the Old Testament. You know, we thought it was about Jonah and a whale, and we thought that was kind of weird, but it's actually about Jesus, resurrection. Let, look at this. And, and we see um, that Jesus says that the law of Moses, that the prophets, which is Jonah, and the Psalms, they all must be fulfilled in him. He fulfills them all. So Jesus is boldly saying, the time is now when my life will fully reflect what Jonah has been telling you your whole life. Jonah has been telling us for a long time that this is how it was going to be. All of the other Old Testament characters and figures have been telling you for a long time that this is how it's going to be. This is one massive story. And if you step, can step back and see this all throughout the scriptures, you can be in awe. You will be in awe of who God is because he has had a plan from the beginning. And now, this is... We, we look in, in, in the book of Matthew, uh, you know, Jesus says over and over again, he compares himself to Jonah. Some of you are like, this is weird. How, how, what, where is this connection? Jesus himself compares himself to Jonah. This is what he says. He's, he's, he's saying this to some very religious people, probably like you and I, very religious people, you know, that went to church, that knew their Bible, that got their Bible study on, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus is saying to them, um, teacher, this is is what the the scribes and the Pharisees were saying to him, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. How many of you say that today? How many of you come here and you're saying, show me a sign that the resurrection is true. Give me evidence. Give me proof. I want real hard evidence. And I'm not going to believe the resurrection unless you can prove it to me. Because that doesn't, I've never seen that happen. That doesn't happen. People don't just rise from the dead. Give me evidence. Give me proof. And these scribes and these Pharisees, they wanted proof from Jesus that he was the Messiah, that he was actually the Messiah. He answered them this. Listen closely to this answer. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, the men of Nineveh, men and women, the people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented. Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is saying that that he will die the death that Jonah could not do. And he's going to rise to life, something that Jonah could not do. Jonah rose, sort of. He died, sort of, to bring salvation to Nineveh. Jonah, was, life was spared, and he was spit out. He was vomited out of the belly of the fish so that he could save Nineveh, so that he could go to Nineveh and preach to them, and they would be saved. Jesus goes into the belly of the earth. Three days later, rises up to save all the nations, all of us. He did what Jonah could only partially do. He did what Jonah could never fully do, and none of us in here could fully do. The, the resurrection, the resurrection came upon Jesus, and many still didn't quite understand, and he says, the sign of Jonah is given to you. That's the sign. And so, what, so what I want to do now is point you to that sign, okay? We're not jumping out of Jonah. We're not moving on and saying, okay, we got the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. Same story, the exact same story. And my, my prayer in all this especially as Jesus says what he says, is that you would want the resurrection, not merely that, that you would want the historical evidence, that you would want truth. I can give you tons of books and tons of facts that point to the, the historical reality that Jesus rose. I can just point you to my life and say that, look, Jesus rose, he is alive. And there are, there's plenty of that, but I want, I want to call you to actually... Take the resurrection and, and abide in it. Apply it. We, we can't just look at it. We have to apply it. And we, we talked about this at Good Friday this Friday, right? We were saying, when, when, when Paul says, For I was crucified with Christ, it's no longer who, who, it's me who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. It's not me anymore. I've been crucified with Christ in the same way you must be resurrected with him. You must see yourself in the story of Christ's resurrection. So that's where I'm going. And, and I think that that's where Jonah ended up. His last words were what? When he, before he was spit out, salvation belongs to the Lord. He kind of got it. He, he started his journey right there and he's like, ah, oh, okay, I'm a religious guy. I knew that salvation belonged to God. I knew those kinds of things, but it took him taking that truth and applying it to his life. It took him going through this storm to apply it to his life to get it. Now, here's where I'm going. I want to, I want to show you, I want to show you that the resurrection of Christ, the powerful, the powerful act, the power in the resurrection guarantees victory over evil. All victory over all evil. You know, one of the, one of the greatest one of the greatest evils that we know of is death. Death is a constant reminder that none of us, not one, can escape sin. 
None of us, not you, not me, none of us, we will all die. See, like Jonah, we're going to run our whole life. We're going to run. We're going to run from God. We're going to say, no, 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 I can do it, God. Watch. Watch me live on my own. Watch me do my own. Watch me function on my own. We're going to run. But Jonah was wildly reminded that death cannot be ran from. God brought him to the point where he was tasting death. He was reminded, like we need to be reminded, that we cannot run from our sin are turning away from God. We cannot run. And, and, and there's no doubt that, that many of us here just hate death. And Veritas, we as a family, a church family, have gone through so much death in the last year. Death that we never thought that, that we, we never asked for. And we, we are reminded daily that we hate death. That death is not supposed to be how life is supposed to be. Death is not supposed to happen. No one, though, can escape death, just like no one can escape sin. Death is a horrible reminder that sin still invades our lives. But, listen to this carefully, but the resurrection shows us that God has overcome death, that he has defeated death, that he has turned death into life. And what that means is that our death is a future resurrection. Those who are in Christ, our death is a future resurrection because we are all still under sin. We will all die, but those who take hold of Jesus' resurrection have his power that guarantees our victory over death and guarantees victory or guarantees eternity with Jesus. That's good news. So, I dare you, bring all of your wickedness, bring all of your self-centeredness, bring all the heinous sin, all of it, and lay it down and say, Jesus has overcome all sin and death. He has overcome the grave, therefore he can take my selfishness. He can take my selfish ambition. He can take from me my my. Uh, pagan ways, my uh, sinfulness, all of it he takes and he rose from the dead showing that he is defeated. Now, here's something that we have to keep in mind and this is something that, that is often missed when we talk about this. Does this mean, does this mean we are carefree, happy, um, happy-go-lucky, problem-free, life is all good people? No, not at all. You can come ask me, I'll tell you my problems. I'll, I'll, I can point out yours too. I'd be happier doing that, <laughs> right? All of us still carry with us our sin and our struggle. All of us still carry around death and wish it wasn't with us. Now, I, wanna, I, I think the best way to understand this is to quote from you a really great quote about God from a beaver. Um, C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, Mr. Beaver, if you've seen that or read it, um, Mr. Beaver is having a conversation with Susan. Right? Oh, we're talking about the belly of a fish swallowed up. Let's talk about beavers talking. Come on. This is good. But this, this conversation is happening, happening with Mr. Beaver 
um, and Susan, Mr. Beaver is explaining who Aslan is, the lion, the king. He's explaining all of these things about him. And so Susan uh, replies to Mr. Beaver and says, is he quite safe? You know, we might, we, we might ask the same question about Christ. Okay, you're talking about resurrection. You're talking about final victory. You're talking about victory over evil, sin, death, all of these things. Is, does that mean he's safe? Does that mean that my life is great? That if I become a Christian, then my life is happy? I smile all the time and uh, I can uh, do anything and it's great? Is that what that means? I think Mr. Beaver's reply is more accurate than ours when he said, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He is good. What Mr. Beaver meant, what he means is that the resurrection of Jesus means that we still will go through trials, that we're going to go through temptation, and we are all still going to die. But the safety comes in a much deeper fashion than we'd ever expect. The, the resurrection gives us the safety to live dangerously. The resurrection gives us, did you hear that? The resurrection gives us the safety to live dangerously. I'm, I read an article um, from a pastor, Pastor John Piper, who tells of these three little girls, and this story captured my attention right away because they were about the same age as my girls. Three little girls in Bosnia who were playing in a field, and they didn't know, but the field was filled with landmines. Bam, bam, bam. Three landmines go off all at once. A scream comes from one of the girls who's in the middle of the field screaming and crying out to some, somebody to come save her. There was a crowd there gathered around this field and nobody even wanted to go in. Nobody wanted to go in and save this little girl because there's landmines everywhere. They were afraid of dying. They were afraid of being injured themselves. I mean, what, what would you have done? Some of you are like, I would have saved her, no problem. But really, what would you have done? What would I have done? See, it's when you realize that the power of the resurrection, the power of resurrection safety, that you can run out into that field, that you can run out into the field, save the little girl. You might get blown up. You might, you might get majorly injured. You may be out in the field yelling for help yourself. But our safety, the safety doesn't come it comes from knowing where you are eternally, knowing where you are eternally, knowing the resurrection applied to your life. You might get blown up, but you have a safety, a depth of safety, what I call resurrecting grace, a grace that covers and changes you to live dangerously. Jesus rising from the dead was more than just an awe-inspiring, movement-building event. The power of the resurrection sunk down deep into the disciples' hearts. Something sunk down deep into the hearts that I think we miss. 
because that power that sunk deep into the disciples, that changed them and transformed them, caused them to go to all the nations. And Peter himself, one of Jesus' closest disciples, was hung upside down on a tree, on a cross. He was crucified. He was killed. Does that resurrection power live in you? Does it reside in you? Where you're willing to go out into the field and save the little girl because you know your hope, you know your resurrection. You don't just see Christ resurrecting out here away, but you are in the story. You are part of the story. Do you have this resurrection power? All of our sins, the the sins of trying to make ourselves righteous um, to to the sins of self-hatred are holding us in the grave. They're holding us in the grave. We're stuck We're stuck there, and that's where many of you and many of us constantly live. But the resurrection shows that his righteousness, his death, his conquering life is credited to all who are in him. Given to you, given to me. And that means I'm not too dirty. He has defeated it all. He has won. It is conquered. I'm not too dirty to bring all of my sin and dump it out and just say, here's, he's not like, I can't believe you did that. He's like, dead, and I'm alive, and you're alive. Do you get it? And because of the resurrection, those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will know the Lord. Your life will be changed. You will have a power that just weighs heavy in you because he has risen. He has risen. This is resurrection grace. And so many of you are just stuck. You're stuck. Not seeing the implications of the resurrection for you. You're stuck watching the History Channel show going through. Maybe you're just watching the events happen. That's it. You're, it's out there. It's not in you. Paul, in, in Philippians 2, I love the way he talks about the cross and the resurrection. And let me ask you before I read this, is this your prayer? Is this what you ask for every day? That I may know him, know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I might attain resurrection from the dead. Did you hear that? Does that sound like the words of a man who's just saying, yeah, it's a great show, it's a great story. No, he's saying, I will clear everything out of the way to attain Christ's death and his resurrection for me. And some of you aren't willing to do that. You are not willing to throw your sin aside. You are not willing to go completely, fully after it to understand and live in the power of the resurrection. You have all kinds of excuses. Some of you are like the pagan sailors in Jonah. You want to try to work and earn your salvation? Try to do whatever you can? Uh, like, they, like they were doing, throwing things overboard. They, they wanted to try everything else before they just cried out to God. Or, I imagine that most of you are like Jonah. You're running from God. You're fleeing God. You're running away from Him. 
And you don't see the difference between simply knowing about Jesus and his resurrection and becoming like Jesus and his resurrection. What does the world do with a man who raised from the dead? Everybody's born, but not everybody rises from the dead. What do we do with this man who set the world on fire with this movement of people like me and like you, whose lives have been changed, billions of people's lives have been changed, not because a man was dead in the grave, movement over, but because this man, Jesus, came alive and defeated Satan, defeated evil, and he says, you participate with me. What does the world do with this resurrection grace? It took Jonah being tangled up in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights to get this. It took him forever. But listen, again, Jesus tells us that because of the resurrection, even the most vile of sinners like the Ninevites, the Ninevites who we're going to see a little later on, the Ninevites who come just a little later on, they are going to sit with Jesus. They're going to sit with Jesus and they are going to judge because they repented. They came to God. They changed their life. They were transformed by the gospel. So many of you here are going to be on the outside of that being judged by Ninevites because you're going to say, I'm too dirty. I I can't come to Christ. And the Ninevites are like, look at us. We were so evil, so dirty, so messed up, and look at us, we're sitting here with God. We attained the resurrection. Some of you might be saying, I don't need this. I don't need Christ. I do life on my own. I don't need a resurrection. I don't need a new hope. I don't need any of those kinds of things. He's saying to all of us that we need to come to him. And I want to leave us um, with Romans 10, 9 that says, if you confess with your mouth, that Christ Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to call you Christian, non-Christian, pagan, religious person, all of us need to confess with our mouth and with our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. And don't leave here without confessing that. Jonah needed it, the religious man, the the sailors needed it, Nineveh needed it, your neighbors need it, your friends need it, all of us need it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you boldly knowing the power of the resurrection is not just out there for us to watch, but it is in us, it is within us, God, and you remind us over and over again that you will raise and you have raised and that you have called us to live in that resurrection. So God, may we not leave here thinking thinking that we don't need a resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.